great to have you guys all here this morning. It's so good to see all your faces. So last week, Larry started out our new teaching series, You Are Here, with some maps, a lot of maps. Uh, what he didn't tell you is that, and I appreciate this, that I personally struggle uh, with reading maps, with directions in general. Uh, just last week, for an example, or just last month, Larry and I went to this enormous outlet mall, and there was a particular store that uh, we were looking for, and so here was the plan. Larry needed to use the restroom. I was going to go to the map and figure out where we needed to go. So I get to the map. I find the you are here symbol. I find the store that we need to go to. And I look, and I think, there are a lot of turns. <laughs> and so um, Larry comes back, and he says, do you know where we need to go? And I was like, maybe, probably not, <laughs> no, which didn't surprise him at all. He kind of laughed at why we thought that plan would work anyway. But um, it's why I love Google Maps, right? Just on my phone, when I got here to the city years ago, very I had no shame of just tell me where to go. Even out loud, I'm walking down the street, turn now. Okay, thank you very much. I like <laughs> the directions along the journey. Tell me exactly when I need to turn. And I think I would just love it if everything was that easy, right, in life, right? If we just could Google decisions we need to make in life, and it says, yes, turn now. Do this right now. And it would just make our lives so much easier. Well, the beginning of a new year is just a great time to reflect on our lives and where we are right now. Knowing it's important that we know right now that we are enough in God right where we are right now, where we are today. Knowing that, then we are able to look at the different aspects of our lives and look for paths of growth, ways that we would like to grow this year. And that's what this series, You Are Here, is all about. We're just inviting God into this time of reflection. And we're going to look at all, a few different areas of our life that kind of cover a lot, um, our work, our health, and um, our relationships, and also play in our lives. And as we consider these different areas in our lives, we're going to try to look through the lens of what God is doing here in this world and how he's inviting each of us to be on mission with him. So today we're going to look at where we are with the work part of our lives. Now I want us to remember that we're not just focusing on how we make money, um, but also the part of our life where we spend producing something whether we get paid for it or not. Um, there were actually 10 years of my life, my adult life, where I didn't get paid for anything more than watching children in my home. So um, I watched my own children, three of them, and then um, I had some friends that uh, over, you know, some kids at different times, one little kid for, you know, a few hours here and there, um, that w I would get paid for a little bit. But, you know, not a lot of uh, money comes from that, just in case you um, were wondering about just, you know, watching kids in your home. Um, but I enjoyed that time, but I'll have to be honest, I didn't feel like I was producing much. I was being very productive. At the end of the day, I felt like, where did all that time and energy go? Because I looked around my house and it was still very messy, even though I knew I cleaned a lot that day. <laughs> and I looked at my kids and I was like, I cleaned them, I fed them, I, you know, I disciplined a lot, put a lot of time out, you know, and, and I felt like I worked really hard, but I couldn't really see much that was produced out of that. 
Now, years later, um, this is, you know, been a while. Now, I'm hope, my hope is that all of those children are nearing adulthood, that hopefully I, what it produced was some, some wonderful adults who are loving to this world, that I gifted the world that. Um, that was the hope. But uh, I think we're all in different stages in our lives where we aren't necessarily getting paid for all of our effort and time. And so it's important that we remember that. Maybe um, work in, uh, it for you is volunteer work. Uh, maybe it's being an artist where your work isn't necessarily about being paid. Maybe it's about your um, just doing your art and getting better at that. Um, and that is very valuable in our world today. Maybe it's going to school and learning, or maybe it's the job you're getting paid to do, whether it's the job you want or it's the job that um, you are doing now. So I imagine for most of us that uh, we all would love to find a job, uh, that, that perfect job that balances th the thing you love to do and the thing that you're really good at, and getting paid really well, right? We all want that job, right? The job that gives us enough money that we don't really have to do the things we don't want to do, right? We can pay somebody else to do those jobs we don't want to do, like somebody else do my taxes, somebody else, you know, cook for me, right? You know, those jobs that maybe you don't want to do, you can pay somebody else to do it. And we'd love to have a job that gives us time also to have time for relationships, have time to be healthy people, have time to play a little bit in our lives too. Doesn't that sound like the job we all want in life, right? Well, I would love to tell you this morning that all you need to do is read your Bible, and it's going to give you all the instructions you need, just like Google Maps, you know, just how to get the job you want that ticks all those boxes. I'm sorry, but that just doesn't work because the Bible just really isn't a book about how to get the job you love. You can find in the Bible people who follow God doing a variety of different jobs and occupations. Um, sometimes they get paid for it, sometimes they don't. But no matter how important or successful these people are in the Bible, their jobs are really, it's never really about their career, the focus in the Bible. It's not really about, oh, you know, John's wonderful career. It's more about what God is doing through them. That's the focus of the Bible. And so I thought about just some of the successful people we see in uh, the Bible, and I thought about Moses. And Moses, you know, was chosen, handpicked by God, asked for him to go to the Pharaoh of Egypt and tell Pharaoh to release um, his people, the Jewish people who were enslaved. And he chose Moses, a person who did not have the skills it took to actually do the job. We know that Moses was not a good public speaker, and so it required the help of his brother to go and speak for him. Um, so you really wouldn't get many career coaches saying, you know, go be like Moses. If you want a job, pick a job you aren't skilled for, right? That isn't um, really uh, the advice you would get. And I thought about Joseph, that we read about his story in Genesis, obviously a very talented, capable man who just often shows himself to be capable, rises over and over again, gets more and more responsibility um, because he has to, really. His brothers sell him into slavery. He becomes a servant in a home, um, and he kind of rises 
in the ranks as a servant. You know, he does his job, he does his job well, people respect him, um, until he's wrongly accused and thrown into jail. And then in jail, it happens again, where he kind of works really hard, shows that he, his character and his um, capability, and he is well-respected, and eventually, it takes a long time, but eventually he's re released from jail, and he goes and he works um, in for Pharaoh, and he raises um, in ranks to be like second in command. So what a successful guy Joseph is. But none of us really want to take that career path in our lives that requires jail time and um, service um, for years in a house. That isn't really our plan. Um, you think of Daniel also as a similar story. Daniel, he's a Jewish man um, who is able to work in the highest level of the administration of the Babylonian Empire. So he's living in exile, and still he's so wise that he's able to be used um, his wisdom and his skill is able to be used in um, the Babylonian Empire until his obedience to God comes into conflict with the king at that time, King Darius's decrees. And you know the story that um, Daniel is thrown into a pit of lions. And God, of course, saves him from that. But even though we look at Daniel's life and say, that was a successful, talented man, we don't really think, yeah, that's what I want to do with my life, right? And then we look at the New Testament and we see how Jesus chose leaders to lead the church that he was beginning. And he, um, he didn't choose religiously educated men. They were there. They were available. These Jewish men that knew the scripture, that isn't who Jesus chose. Instead, he chose these uneducated fishermen to be the leaders of his church. And we see them be very successful in their leadership. And yet... When we look at their lives, they, they weren't really affluent, um, uh, financially comfortable men. And so uh, maybe that isn't the career path that we really want here either. You see, the Bible just isn't a book about the path to finding the career that you will love, the one that ticks all the boxes for us here in America. What the Bible instead is about, it's about God and us humanity. And it starts out in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 telling us that we matter, each one of us. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. That each one of us are created in God's image and therefore we matter. Our lives matter, not because of what we do, but because we are image bearers of God. That's important that we start there. And then right after that verse, God says that what he calls his image bearers to do is to take care of his creation so that his creation is able to flourish. And so right away in this very first chapter, we see this message, we matter, and that God intends for us to labor in a way that matters and cares for his creation. And it's important for us to recognize this is happening before sin. So work, the work we were intended for, isn't a punishment. It is what we were created to do. Now that might not solve all of your career questions, but it's important that we start in that place, that we matter. And we were created to labor so that all of God's creation is cared for. 
And so even in the very next chapter, in chapter 2 of Genesis, we see that things change dramatically when sin enters the world. It doesn't change that we are image bearers and that we are intended to care for his creation. It's now just harder work, right? It's harder work, and that's really the rest of the story of the entire Bible. From Genesis chapter 2 all the way through Revelations, the story is about how God is trying to bring back the world, back to what it looked like before sin in the garden, where we had this... um, perfect relationship between God and man, this perfect relationship between mankind with one another, and this perfect relationship with mankind and creation. And we're working to bring that back. That's the whole story of the Bible. And we see how later God sends his son Jesus to live a human life, and he's working towards this goal, ultimately with his death and resurrection. And before Jesus leaves and he returns to heaven, he tells his followers that their job is to continue that work, but that he is going to send them a helper, the Holy Spirit that's going to help them work towards that goal, that goal that we call shalom here. The Bible talks about peace and uses the word shalom. That's the vision, that it would return back to this perfect um, place of peace and flourishing that we once had in the garden. So we are a part of that story, that work of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so last week, Larry introduced the book that we used for some of the themes of this series. If you will remember, he really liked the color of the book. Um, It's blue. Um, (laughs) It's called, the book is called Designing Your Life. And um, I really recommend it for anybody who's kind of um, has questions about your career. Uh, it is a very helpful book, and I, I think it's the first several chapters are good for anybody. Um, but it, it is written by designers who use the concepts and practices that designers use to create new products. And what they do is they encourage people to use those same practices in relationship to creating a career. Not just a career, but a life that values this balance between health and relationships and a play along with your work. And so the book gives tools to help you be self-aware of who you are and where you are today and how you might be able to create the job that works for you and how you are uniquely made. And so they say that one of the first steps is to look at your view of work And see if it is coherent with your view of life. Look at your view of work and see if it is coherent with your view of life. You see, the Bible may not tell you how to find the perfect career. It does tell us a very specific view of work and a very specific view of our lives. And so here's the question for us today. Is your view of work the same as the Bible's? Or is your view of work more of our culture's view, your parents' view, your teacher's view, maybe even your friend's view of work? Is your view of work that you matter whatever your job or career? Do you believe your job is ultimately to be an image bearer of God, working to care for all of God's creation? You see, Jesus refers to this as being a part of his kingdom, And sometimes we talk about it as living on mission, being a part of God's story of building the kingdom. 
Scott McKnight, who is a, a New Testament professor and author who I really respect, he says it this way. He says, our vocation, which in so many ways is unique to you, can genuinely matter if you keep your eyes on the kingdom of God as your guiding North Star. He says, teaching begins to matter when you treat your students as humans whom you love and whom you are helping. Or growing vegetables becomes kingdom work when we enjoy God's green world as a gift from him. Even collecting taxes becomes kingdom work when you treat each person as someone who is made in the image of God and as a citizen instead of a suspect. He says, jobs become vocations and begin to matter when we connect what we do to God's kingdom vision for this world. I'm going to say that again. Jobs become vocations and begin to matter when we connect what we do to God's kingdom vision for this world. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6:33. He said, "Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness." What does it look like to seek God's kingdom? in our jobs, in the work we do? Well, it forces us to ask some hard questions of ourselves, questions we don't uh, normally want to ask, but um, here are just a few examples of the questions we should ask. How honest is the work I'm thinking about doing? Or how necessary and how healthy are the goods and services I'm helping to provide? <coughs> what will my career do for the least of these? The least of these is how Jesus talked about the people he loved and cared about, the people on the margins of society. What does our career have to do with the least of these? So the Bible may not talk about how to choose a career, but it does tell us that we are each uniquely made with specific personalities, strengths, and gifts. And it's interesting that McKnight, he used that word vocation. It's a word that I don't use very much, the word vocation. We just kind of use it for uh, your job or your career, your vocation. But he said that our vocation is very unique to each of us. And I think that makes sense because I learned that the word vocation actually comes from the Latin word for voice. Your voice. Your voice is very unique to you. And so do you think of your work as the voice you have in this world? a voice that is unique to you. You see, the struggle for each of us is to become learners who become more and more aware of how each of us are uniquely made to help us understand our voice and therefore to understand our vocation. And so the Design Your Life um, authors said that their goal was very simple for their readers, coherency, to have a life that is coherent. And they said that a coherent life is one lived in such a way that you can clearly connect the dots between three things, just three things, who you are, what you believe, and what you are doing. And that's the journey we're all on, to figure out who we are, what we believe, and what we are doing, and make it a coherent life. And so just like last week, we gave you some reflection time because we know that you get busy when you get home and the week comes. 
And so we're just going to give you some space to reflect on some of the answers to these questions. We're just going to focus on the what you believe and try to let you have some time to reflect on what you believe about work, what you believe about life. So um, I have sheets that are going to be handed out that are in English and Spanish. Um, we have some pens um, that are available for you guys to fill those out, and we're just going to give some quiet space to just kind of calm yourself down and start reflecting on these answers of what is work for. Some questions of why am I here? These are hard questions that people have been trying to figure out since the beginning of time, um, and that we uh, hear different answers all over the place. And so now I just want you to kind of um, work to, I'll give you about five to ten minutes um, to really just uh, think for a moment what you believe about work and about your life. All right. <coughs> uh, knowing the different personalities in the room, there's some of you who just love that and some of you who that is not your favorite. Um, and uh, self-reflection is a little bit like that. So when I was a little girl, I liked getting these puzzle books that had all these different types of puzzles to do. So they would have word searches in them, which I really liked. I was good at those. Um, crossword puzzles, which I've, I've never been great at those. And dot-to-dot -dot puzzles. Do you remember those? There's a slide here. Dot-to-dot -dot puzzles have all these dots, and they're each numbered so that you know how to connect the dots. All right? But when you first look at it, um, you can kind of maybe guess at what that is. Maybe it's an angel. Maybe it's a bird. I, I'm not really sure. But then as you start to connect the dots, the image starts to emerge. And I think that um, is a lot like um, understanding ourselves and understanding um, our unique voice and vocation in this world. Last week, Larry talked about how following Jesus is a journey. And when we choose to follow Jesus, there isn't just this switch that gets flipped for us where we now become these completely whole, perfect versions of ourselves, right? Completely whole lives. It, instead, it's, it's a journey for us. And sometimes it can um, be painful at times, that journey. Um, it's a process. And part of that process is understanding ourselves and how we are uniquely made. And we start to connect these dots, and the image becomes clearer and clearer of who we are and how we are uniquely made. And God is leading us through that, transforming us through his spirit, making us more able to answer these hard questions. Who am I, and what should I be doing? And it's a journey that we don't have to do it alone. It's a journey that we do in community, that we learn from one another, we live in community, and we're learning about ourselves by living in community, living close enough with one another that we learn about ourselves because of that. And it's a journey that God is with us every step of the way. He's lovingly leading us, constantly telling us, you matter, you are needed, you are gifted. Please use your gifts for my kingdom. Ben Witherington, in his book, Work, A Kingdom Perspective on Labor, he encourages us to think that God is actively involved in this process of connecting the dots. 
He says, we do not simply choose our vocations. We are led to them. And this implies that we must be open to hearing from God what he's calling us to do in life. Even when we have been called and we've been gifted to do something, God doesn't just leave us to our own devices. Rather, he's guiding us and steering us in our work. So this week, um, as I was writing this message, I was um, confronted um, myself with some of the issues I have with the job that I do. So I am a pastor here. I'm one of the pastors here at Everyday Church. And so um, that role for me, um, there are some struggles that are unique to me and how I'm created. Um, one of those is that uh, I often have to um, speak and teach on something that oftentimes I have to struggle a little bit myself before I can authentically teach on it. And so sometimes, depending on that topic, um, some are more than others, there will be a, a time of convicting myself um, work that I have to do. Sometimes that can be painful. I, I have to be vulnerable with you guys in that. Um, that it can be painful um, and not often things that we want to do to when we are asked to be vulnerable. That is something that often God pushes us to do. And that is true for me as well. I also realized this week that um, that part of who I am is that I really like to meet people's expectations of me. So much so that I will create your expectations of me. Um, I, I, so I have to be honest here, not all of this is healthy. Um, I'm in the process. I'm on a journey. Um, I'm working on some of this. But I realize that um, I have an expectation of myself, and I assume that others have an expectation of me, that in 30 to 40 minutes when I'm teaching, I will be able to make these very complicated, complex uh, topics easy for you. So that afterwards, I can wrap it up with a bow and hand it to you, and you can stick it in your pocket and say, now I know. I know what I need to do in my life, right? And I, I get frustrated because I get frustrated in writing messages when I can't make it easy for you, and I, it isn't just simple for you. Um, and that is just part of the job because I can't do it. I can't connect your dots for you. What I can do and what as leaders at Everyday Church we're committed to doing is to walk alongside you in your journey and to help you, um, help you as we are journeying ourselves. And we're committed to giving you tools to help you to listen to God, to hear from him, to listen to yourself and to know yourself, to listen to your emotions and ask yourself the question, how is God coming to me through my emotions today? to help you look through your life and your life story and help you to see how God can use your story, which is so unique to you, in your voice and how he wants to use your voice for his kingdom. And so that's what we can do for you, to give you the tools to connect the dots and answer the question, who am I, what do I believe, and what should I do? And so as we close this morning, I want to read some psalms for you that remind us that God knows us and that he is able to lead us to understand ourselves and how we can use our unique voice to bring um, our voice to this kingdom work. And as I read through the psalms, I want you to ask yourself, what words kind of stick out to you? 
What images are brought to your mind when you hear these words? Ask yourself, um, what do they have to say about God knowing who I am and how I am uniquely made? So the first psalm we're going to read is Psalm 38, 9. It says, all my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. The next psalm we're going to look at is Psalm 139. It's a long psalm. We're going to read just some of the verses. I encourage you to look at this whole psalm. It is a powerful one. It says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And then a few verses down, it says, For you created my inmost being. My inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And the very last psalm we're going to look at is Psalm 51, 6. It says, You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me, my, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you know every bit of each one of us. You know the things we hide. You know the things we show. You know the deepest parts of us, and you love us. I thank you that you made us in your image, Lord. You made us with a purpose. I pray that each one of us would, um, would do the hard work of getting to know ourselves and how you gifted us uniquely. Um, look at our stories. Look at our emotions. Look at our gifts. All of those things, even our, our um, the shadow sides of us, the things we aren't good at, um, Lord, the, the parts of our personalities that um, our ego that come into play, Lord, um, help us to look at that stuff too, to not fear it, but to be able to be confident that you are walking right alongside of us, reminding us that you are right here with us, Lord. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So um, every week we uh, take a time to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And um, growing up, I, I, it was a practice I um, 
also experienced every Sunday, but I felt like it was something I was doing. Like, like I had to remember Jesus' sacrifice um, as like a gift to him, almost. Like, remember that he suffered. Um, and as an adult, as I've gotten older, I, I realize it's a gift to me. Because um, throughout the week, we are told by so many different messages that we don't matter. There's so many different um, messages that we're told that maybe if we were like this, we would matter. Or maybe if we're like that. Or maybe someday we're ma- we'll matter if we have that right job or if we look this certain way. But it's important for us every week to have a time where we just listen and say, hear from God, I sacrifice my life for you. You matter. I love you. And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, We're going to sing a song um, that comes from Psalm 139 about how God knows us and he's with us. And we're going to go to the table as a family and remember that we each matter and we belong here and we are a family.